Last Sunday, uh, Palm Sunday, you've probably heard that if you're a church person. It's the day uh, a week before Jesus resurrected. He is walking through the streets of Jerusalem. Actually, he is riding uh, a, a colt. He's riding a, a colt and a donkey, and he's going through the streets, and all the people, do you know what they're doing? They're, they're waving their palm branches, and they're saying the words, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I heard something about that word Hosanna this week that I've never heard, and I looked it up, found that it was true. I've always just assumed that Hosanna uh, is the word, and then maybe the definition is what follows. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hosanna, blessed is the one that comes in the name of the Lord. Or maybe it's just like saying hallelujah, but they're saying Hosanna. That's what I've always assumed, I guess. But this week I saw this, this uh, scholar, this Greek and Hebrew scholar was writing an article, and he said that the word Hosanna is derived from two Greek words. I'm not going to try to pronounce them because unlike this guy, I'm not a Greek scholar. But the two words, the first one means to save or deliver. And the second word means now. So as Jesus, as Jesus is walking through the very same streets of the city where he'd be crucified just a few days later, the people are recognizing or at least hoping that they recognize this man as the Messiah. And they're singing and shouting, please save us now. Please save us now. The Hebrew people were, were, were people displaced at the time of Jesus. They were refugees. They were living in a, a country that wasn't their own. In fact, their, their country had been taken over by the Roman Empire. And the cry was, save us, please, save us now. Do you know what they were expecting? They were expecting a savior to pull a sword out of his robe or out of its sheath. They were expecting him to ride that donkey into the hallway of the palace, walk into Caesar's office, drive that sword through Caesar, reach down, pick up his crown, put it on his own head, sit on the throne, and then say, you're free. This is now your country. That's what they were expecting. That's what they were expecting. But just like Jesus, they did not get what they were expecting, but they got something so much more remarkably greater and better than they can ever imagine. John 12, 12 and 13 says, the next day, this is talking about that moment, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches. They were Passover visitors. They were there celebrating in Jerusalem. They had been taken over by the Roman Empire. They were celebrating Passover. That was the moment in the Old Testament where the angel of death hovered through the streets of Egypt and everybody that took the blood of the lamb and painted it over their doorpost was rescued from the angel of death. That's important to remember that it only took the blood of the lamb. It didn't take the blood of the lamb and their right behavior. It didn't take the blood of the lamb and fill in the blank. Nothing else. All it took was the blood of the lamb and the angel of death passed over those homes and they were rescued. These folks were in the city of Jerusalem celebrating that 
very moment as the final lamb and the final sacrifice with the blood that would cover us once and for all was passing through the streets, recognizing that they needed rescue and salvation. Save us now. Man. They took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God. Hosanna, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. They were actually quoting a psalm that they most likely, this group of people, had grown up singing at the time of Passover. Psalm 118, 25 through 26. The psalmist wrote, please, Lord, save us. Please, Lord, please give us success. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. They grew up singing this song with the mindset that the one who came in the name of the Lord would be like their ancestor, David. The one, the king whose house the Messiah would come from. This man of military might who stood in front of the giant and with five stones took down the giant who marched into kingdom after kingdom with a sword and led his men into victory after victory. And they thought this Messiah that comes from the house of David is going to carry that sword just like David and then we'll show him. Then we'll rise up and they'll see who was right all along. We'll get what's coming to us. Save us now. A week later, he would do that exact thing, just it didn't look a thing like they thought it was going to look like. In fact, following Jesus, Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord, honestly, hardly ever looks like what you think it'll look like. <laughs> but just like, just like this exact story, when you're following Jesus, it might not look like what you expect, but it's going to be better than you can ever imagine. It's going to be the best thing. We all like good things. We all like great things, but I don't want to settle for that. I want the best thing. I want the best thing. And getting the best thing, you got to do things maybe you didn't think you'd do. You had to be in places you might not expect. Sometimes things don't go right. And because of our humanity, we can allow ourselves to get very discouraged and boy, do we see that in the story of Jesus. Because on Sabbath, they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. They're expecting to see a sword. And less than a week later, they see that same Messiah giving up his life on a cross, nailed to a cross. But again, there was a complete misunderstanding there. They thought those nails were holding Jesus to the cross and there was nothing else he could do. But it was actually love that was holding them there on that cross. Those nails weren't doing a thing to hold him on that cross. Don't you remember that he said, I could call a thousand angels down from heaven right now and they could take me from this place. But he didn't. He just stayed where he was. And by all means, it looked like it was over. And disappointment was probably running more rampant in that moment with those folks than we could ever imagine. I thought he was the one. I thought he was going to do exactly what we've been begging for. I thought he was going to save us. And I thought he was going to do it soon. If he was going to do it, it would have been in the garden the night he got arrested. 
And those that were around him, well, you know they were excited when they saw 40 Roman soldiers walking up to Jesus in the garden as he's praying. Because I'm sure they were thinking, there's no way he's going to go with these guys. And I can't imagine what it was like to be that guard that said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And then as Jesus speaks the exact same phrase that was spoken when Abraham said, who are you to God? And God said, I am. Those same words came out of Jesus' mouth. Are you Jesus of Nazareth? I am. And read that story. All 40 guards fall backwards. Yet he still went with these guards. Do we actually think he was taken against his will? Do we actually think those spears, those swords, those shields had any authority whatsoever over the one who spoke two words and nobody around could even stand up straight? If your dad was like my dad, you know that feeling. <laughs> you know you're in trouble and something's not going right. You know you did it wrong and then your dad notices. Man, all it took for me was, son, Oh, knees go weak. They didn't know who that was. They knew it was Jesus of Nazareth, but they didn't know. And if they didn't, once he said, I am, they did. How many times have we been in this exact place? How many times have you had expectations that seemed like led to disappointment? How many times have you taken the dream that God put in your heart and been disappointed by the results you were seeing? It's not a bad thing to admit that. We've all been there. God put it in your heart after all. Isn't he faithful to complete what he starts? God put that desire in your heart to have a family. When's the family coming? God put that dream in your heart to have a spouse. When is that spouse coming? God put this dream in your heart to start a business. God put this dream in your heart to speak words of truth and the masses hear it and look to him. God put this dream in your heart, this creative idea. And you have good plans for it yourself. You're not going to use it for any of the negative stuff. You can see how the Lord's going to work all these things he's put in your heart to even lead more people to him. Why aren't we seeing it? And all of a sudden we're disappointed. We're disappointed in what we're seeing because it's good to imagine. You're going to hear me say this a million times if you come to our church. It's good to get your hopes up. But let's not Take the bait of the enemy and get into disappointment when things aren't happening when we think they should happen or how we think they should happen. Because there wasn't one person around Jesus who thought he was going to save them now by walking away with 40 plus Roman soldiers, by standing silent at a trial and not even fighting for his own life. In fact, he made it a little bit worse. Are you the son of God? It's as you say. Ooh, did you say you're going to tear this temple down? He could have just denied things, but you know what? He didn't. And why didn't he? For the joy that was set before him. Look at yourself, because you were that joy. 
Put your hand on your heart and say, I was the joy set before him. Do it. That was all, that was three-fourths of us. Let's do it again. Put your hand on your heart and let's say it together. I was the joy set before him. You are the reason he walked away with those soldiers. You are the reason the nails went through his hands and feet. You were the reason the crown of thorns was placed on his head. When we have a savior named Jesus, when it doesn't look like it's happening the way we think it should happen, instead of getting into disappointment, let's rejoice. Because when we have to let go, when we have to give up control and we let the dream die, that's a pretty harsh word, but when we let go of it and we release it and say, it's all up to you, there's never a better phrase you've spoken in your life than looking at the Father of lights and saying, it's all up to you now. I can't do it. When our Savior was taken down from the cross, beaten, bloodied, battered. John said he didn't even look like a human. The, gru the most gruesome depiction of Jesus you've ever seen doesn't even compare to what he appeared like on that cross. When he was taken down and put in the grave, if they didn't already think it was over, that was it for sure. He was in the ground. The stone had been rolled, and there was armed guards. Have you ever seen somebody try to guard a dead person? That doesn't make any sense, does it? There was something, maybe it was deep, deep down on the inside of everybody. Can you imagine having so much hope? When the entire history of the world and everything that you've seen with your own eyes says it's over, but even the ones that hope it's over are still actually thinking it might not be over. When you let go of the dream, when you let go of the desire that the Lord's put in your heart for good reason, under the surface, things happen that we can't make happen on our own. In the tomb, in the ground, there's things happening below the surface that we couldn't even imagine with our finite minds. Three days in the ground, and you know what they saw on the outside? Nothing. The ones who had witnessed miracles for three years saw nothing for three days. The ones that saw the dead raised saw nothing for three days. Talk about disappointing. But under the surface, for three days, Paul wrote that Jesus made an open show of the devil. If you've ever wondered about what Jesus did for three days in the grave, it's in the Bible. It says he made an open show of the devil. This was a military term. And when a king made an open show of another king, it was after the battle was over and they had won the fight. The king that wins marches into the throne room of the defeated king, strips him naked, takes all the authority he had in his own kingdom, ties him up and parades him through the streets of his own kingdom with a declaration, your king has been defeated. 
That's what Jesus was doing for three days. He didn't go to hell as a sinner being tortured. He went to hell as an innocent man carrying all authority. And what did John say in 1 John 4, 17? As Jesus is now, so are we in this world. If it's been a while since you made an open show of the devil, why don't you start today? Because now that same authority he went to the grave with, he's given to you. He's given it to me as his child. He said, this is what I earned. This is what I bought. And it's your inheritance. How dumb would it be to not use an inheritance? You know, if you don't use an inheritance, the person that gave it to you doesn't get to use it. They're gone. Jesus gave you the inheritance and he says, if you don't use it, nobody will. If you don't use your authority, nobody will. In fact, somebody will act like they're using it. His name is the father of lies. His name is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He'll take it if you want him to have it, but you don't have to give it to him. You are the one with the authority. You are the one that can now make an open show of the devil three days in the ground and there were things happening that nobody could arrange there was things happening that they could never imagine remember they imagined jesus setting up a physical kingdom but he was in the ground setting up something so much more eternal than a physical kingdom he was preparing a place for you and i he was preparing a place for us to have an eternity in a kingdom built off righteousness peace and joy it's a much better kingdom. And it was a much better prize than Jesus looking at the people and saying, here's your land back. It wasn't what they expected, but it was better than they could have ever imagined. And even that was prophesied in Psalm 118, the same one we read from, the same Psalm where they were saying, please save us now. It also says the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. That's talking about Jesus. And what it means is that everybody looked at him. There was a time when they said, all right, we thought it was you. It's not you. But under the surface, the chief cornerstone. And these folks saw miracles. They saw food multiplied. They saw the dead raised. They had hope. And then all hope, all hope was lost. I know you've been there. We've all been there. But just remember, it may not look how you think it's going to look. It may not be what you're expecting. But with Jesus involved, it will resurrect and be greater than you've ever imagined. But you have to let go. You have to watch it go to the grave, in a sense, and say, I give up control. The Lord, only you can do this. You know what he's going to say? Yes. This is the only religion where death isn't permanent. This is only a religion where death is actually the beginning of life. And we believe it. We believe that we're going to live forever. However, when we're here, our mind tells us, yeah, we're going to live forever, but this stuff God put in your heart, it's as good as gone. It's as good as dead. No. No, no, no. Resurrection is part of our inheritance. I think Jesus was trying to give 
his closest friends a picture of this from the very beginning. When he called the first, deci- uh, the first disciples, do you remember what they were doing? They were fishing. They were fishermen. They knew all about fishing. That was their thing. And Jesus walks up on the scene. They hadn't caught anything all day. And what does he say? Why don't you cast your nets onto the other side? I want to read this. Here we go. Luke 5, 4 through 6. When he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, that's who was Peter, his name was changed to Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. Drought, different word. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke. I've read this scripture thousands of times, seriously. And I've never noticed something until this week. You go back to uh, the verse before here. Actually, the one before. He left speaking. He said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Now go back to verse 6. Great multitude of fishes and their net broke. Jesus said, let down your nets, plural. They threw one net in the water. And what happened? They caught so many fish as they were hauling it in, the net broke. It was still the greatest catch of their life. It was still more than they ever expected. But they lost some of that catch. Not only that, if they'd have thrown in their plural nets, they would have brought in so many fish in every net. I don't believe the nets would have broken. I believe that catch was meant to be multiple nets full of fish that would have taken care of them and their families, I don't know, maybe for years to come. Maybe all the years they followed Jesus after that, this one catch would have been the provision for everything. But just like what happened three years later, he wasn't what they expected. He said, throw out your nets, and they couldn't even imagine nets being filled on the craziest day, so they threw out one. But again, just like when Jesus was in the ground, that net was under the surface. And after a very disappointing day that wasn't what they expected, otherwise they wouldn't have been out there, under the surface something was happening. They couldn't see it, but there was an entire school of fish swimming, and it ended up in that net, and they brought in something that exceeded their expectations, and it was even meant to be even greater. And that was their first interaction with this Messiah. But we can't blame them. (laughs) If it's better than we expect, it's because we're not expecting it, right? But here's what I want us to start doing is expecting great things even in a season of disappointment. Expecting God to do something even when we can't figure it out in the natural. Jesus didn't even uh, just die and raise again to give us salvation like most of us think of it. It's actually the word salvation from a Greek word. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, sozo, S-O-Z-O. We picture so often salvation as our ticket to heaven, but here is what 
the Hebrew people would have thought of when they heard the word salvation. It actually means forgiveness of sin, physically healed from diseases, and deliverance from your enemies. All three things that Jesus did on the cross. By his stripes, we were healed. He died with our sins accounted to him, a perfect man, and gave us forgiveness. And he took all the authority the enemy had back and then said, this is yours now. Matthew 121 says, she shall bring forth a son and you call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. With this understanding of the word salvation, you could read it this way. He shall bring, she shall bring forth a son that shall call his name Jesus. He shall, well, I read the same thing. Uh, he shall his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins, heal them from their diseases and deliver them from their enemies. Hebrews 7.25, with this understanding of the word salvation, says this, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost from their sins, diseases, and enemies that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. That is good news. I've dealt with disappointment in my life. We all have. But remember that for three days on the surface, things were very disappointing. But there was something happened under the surface. And it was the best thing that's ever happened. And when you release the things you're holding on to so tightly, the dreams that you've been given, whatever that is, you got to release. And as you release, remind yourself that when I let go, when I release, when I allow the dream to die, that's when God takes over and infuses it with resurrection. Infuses it with resurrection. We have a friend that's going through a, a, a treatment for leukemia right now that's only a few years old, where they actually took T cells out of her body, literally supercharged them, gave the T cells superpowers, and now they are putting them back into her body and they are going to spend the next 10 or so years hunting down like a bounty hunter cancer cells and destroying them from the inside completely naturally. That's pretty amazing. They come out, they're called T cells, they go back in, they're called car T cells. They're basically like Batman cells or something. <laughs> But when you let go of what you're holding on to, remember, we are natural, but we have a Savior who is supernatural. When we let go and put it in his hands, he infuses it with everything we never knew that dream needed. He puts us in the right place at the right time that we never knew we should be in. And all of a sudden, something Sprouts up from under the surface. Is that, am I seeing this right? Is that a leaf? Is that a stem? Maybe it's just that little. But we see something. How is this happening? I gave up on this years or months ago. Well, that was what needed to happen. You can hold a seed in your hand for 100 years, and it's never going to grow you got to put it in the ground, 
That seed's got to open up and die. And all of a sudden, you get everything unlocked that that seed unlocks. Isn't that what our Savior did? He was opened up. He was put in the ground. He was resurrected. And he said, now, this is your inheritance. Now, resurrection belongs to you. Now, life belongs to you. Now, this kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy are yours. I'll take three days of having to tell myself, maybe it doesn't look like I thought, but I trust God. And then an eternity of expectations being blown every moment of my life. It doesn't, it's not going to end here on this earth. We're going to have our expectations being blown away for all of eternity because of Jesus. Our salvation is greater than we could have ever imagined, and it is so much more than what we've ever thought. Jesus, from the very beginning, was nothing like anybody expected. There was no triumphant entry when he was born. He wasn't, you know, on America's Got Talent, like child prodigy thing. He was just the son of a carpenter in a little town that nobody cared about. Does that relate to anybody? You the son of a carpenter? Are you the daughter of a carpenter, born and raised in a town nobody ever thinks about? Awesome. You're just like Jesus. You're just like Jesus. Let it go because it's not the end. Save us now, and then within seven days, he had done exactly that. So a lot can happen in seven days. The whole course of the world and everybody's life can all change in the matter of seven days. In one moment, one instant. What are you holding on to? What right now is your mind telling you, be disappointed? Let's toss it out. Let's toss it out because that was yesterday. That was Saturday. Yesterday was the day of disappointment. Today's Sunday. Today the stone is rolled away. The guards are shaking in their boots. Mary is running to tell the disciples he's alive. This is the right day. This is the good day. The grave is open. The path to the Father is made clear. And when you let go of what you're holding on to, you just made the best decision you've ever made. He makes a way where there is no way. Philippians 1.6 says, Be confident in this very thing, that he that began a good work in you will perform it. I love this phrasing. He started something good in you, and he will complete it. Do you believe that? I believe it. Do you believe it when it looks like it can't happen? I believe it. Because what? God is good? And all the time? Man, that's true. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Because if we believe it, disappointment will have nowhere to put its roots. Death is not the final word. Death lost. Resurrection is your inheritance. Resurrection is your inheritance. Resurrection.
life is your inheritance. God has put dreams inside every one of your hearts. It can be something as natural as starting a business. It can be something as eternal as, eternal as starting a family and having children. It can be something as natural as doing something creative that you get to share with people. It could be something as spiritual as speaking to a group of people like I am right now or leading people to Jesus, wherever you're at, writing a book. I don't know. But you've got something in your heart and you've been dealing with disappointment over the years. Let it go and watch resurrection infuse that dream. Watch it raise to life and watch it be better than you ever thought or ever imagined. You gotta let up go. You gotta give up control. We can't do it anyway on our best day, right? Not on our best day. You know, you're called to do something you can't do on your own. You're called to do something you can only do with the Lord. That's why when we think about it naturally, we get freaked out and we're like, I can't do that. Correct. You can't, but you're not alone. You're wall to wall Holy Spirit. You got the savior of the world right here living on the inside of you. Just like Jesus is, so are you in this world. You carry the authority. You carry the power. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? That's good news, right? Are you encouraged? Yeah, I am. I'm encouraged. It's not because of me. It's because of the word. It's because of our savior. It's because of what he did. It's because in the most disappointment the world has probably ever known, under the surface, the most life we'd ever see was being raised. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite the band to come up. I don't think there's any better way to close out a Resurrection Sunday service than by just worshiping together for a few moments.